Hello, welcome to The Sip. We have our Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer, Daniel Guerin, with us. Hello. Dan, welcome. Thanks for being here. So since it's called The Sip, we always start with the honorary question of what is your guilty pleasure drink of choice? My guilty pleasure drink of choice right now is peppermint tea because I'm fighting off a cold. Okay. With honey, please? No. No, just straight up. Straight up. Okay. That, that is, that's stiff. What if you're not sick? If I'm not sick, I like a uh, uh, matcha latte with a little oat milk. Very nice. Mm-hmm. And any pumpkin spice? I love season? pumpkin spice. I am not anti-pumpkin spice. Mm-hmm. I am not a hater. I will rock a pumpkin spice latte. No problem. Okay. Well, we like people who own it at least. You know, the season is only so long. We're going to kind of just jump into your background. What was your first kind of job? My first job, like my very first job? Yeah. Uh, I was 16 years old and I rocked uh, Mrs. Field's cookies. Oh, as a baker or? As the, the, or the kid at the counter taking orders and, uh, you know, handing out cookies and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Did you have a favorite cookie? Um, so th- this is going to be very controversial and we can stop this interview at this time. Okay. I, I really like oatmeal raisin. I do. I do more than chocolate chip. I do. At 16, you felt that way. I did. I did. I've always felt that way. So you've been mature for your age. Since how, you my question to you is how long have you been this judgy? Is this a new thing for you or is this? I was born I'm trying into to get a family th- that judged. Okay. Where did you first imagine your career going when you graduated Sure. school and what, like, what did you go to college for? So my father was a cardiovascular and thoracic surgeon and my mother was a nurse and I, you know, went to university of Michigan for undergrad and I started studying there and the, the, the uh, kids that were going into pre-med, they were just killers. They were oh, killers. Yeah. And I remember like there was different weed out classes for pre-med and I went into anatomy physiology and I've never studied hard for in my life. Like all of the the, uh, classes went to the side. I was only studying for that class and I barely made it through. I mean, like they were just like 98% was a C in that class. (laughs) Like it it was, it was not good. It was, it was a brutal, brutal class. Um, And um, I ended up with a uh, advisor um, and uh, I still remember her name. Uh, Her name was Fran Zorn. And she uh, brought a bunch of us students to her home, actually, uh, for class. And she's like, hey, there's this new area called health law. You're really good at English. You're really good at writing. You're really good at speaking. You should go into this new area called health law. So you can have all of the healthcare stuff, but you can go into regulatory or corporate or mergers and acquisitions or whatever you want to do. And so that's what I decided to do. I, uh, I, I stuck with the pre-med and I actually worked with uh, cochlear prosthetics. Then from there, I applied to the top five health law schools and um, Loyola was number one and they gave me a full ride and that was, wow. that was easy. And so I went to Loyola. And so, uh, uh, yeah, and then I ended up getting my master's of law there. And when I left, my intention was to go into uh, mergers and acquisitions in healthcare. So buying and selling hospitals, nursing homes, medical device companies, durable medical equipment, all that stuff. What was like your first entrance after your master's degree into that field? Sure. So I went to um, two different law firms and I did mergers and acquisitions um, in healthcare. Um, but I'll jump ahead and, you know, like it was fine. But um, I was one of those people that was affected by 9-11. I was living in Washington, D.C., working for a large law firm and stuff. 
And a lot of people, you like start looking around. And this was also the dot-com bubble had hit. So they were laying off people at law firms all over the place. And it was rough. And um, I took a massive pay cut and I went to the American Red Cross. What happened was the CEO of the Red Cross was Bernadine Healy. Bernadine Healy gets fired. Mm -hmm. Harold Decker is the general counsel. So Harold Decker, they promote him to become CEO. Well, Larry Moore was the deputy general counsel and he was in charge of biomedical services, Mm -hmm. the blood collection. He became general counsel. So two weeks into the job, I moved from senior counsel of the biomedical services of the Red Cross to general counsel. And so I'm 28 years old and I'm sitting on the management team. And this isn't one of those times in your life where like, yeah, and I deserve this. I was like, this appears quite serious and maybe somebody else should take this role. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, so it was, uh, it was a really, really interesting time. And I had a bunch of great mentors and a great law firm and everyone surrounded me. And if I was awake, I was working, but it was, uh, it was a really check yourself um, moment that thankfully turned out okay. So how do you go from that to chief ethics and compliance? So really what I do is, is a little different. This is the title that I hold here, but um, really what I do is I do crisis management. And, and so after the Red Cross, just very quickly, I went from the Red Cross to uh, Bayer and they had paid $900 million in fines. They were about to get their third. And so I helped them get out of their third. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, fair enough. Then I went to Siemens. Siemens had the largest bribery crisis ever. Um, and then they had me take over all of U.S. healthcare. And after that, my third one, I'm like, well, I guess I'm in crisis management. You're coming to companies in their like darkest, darkest moment. And they are willing to listen to you. And you just have to like get them out. But no mistakes. Mm-hmm. No mistakes. And um, so from there, I mean, like it was just a run of them. I did Siemens three times uh, a few short months after I was there. I was in a building, kind of like the Adobe building here in Lehigh, 5,000 people in the building. They kick everyone out of the building. 43 agents from the Department of Defense come through the door and they take all the hard drives. Well, back in 2009, there's no cloud. So they take all the hard drives. You're done. You're done. You're Mm -hmm. done. Recreate everything. Like, what are you going to do? And so um, six months later, we got the government to say it was a misunderstanding. We didn't pay anything. We didn't sign anything. Vivint is only the second company I've done that is not in healthcare. But it all comes together because the way that I do compliance is all math. When you're trying to say like, well, we're- so exciting. Wait, oh, it's very compliance exciting. Compliance and math? Oh my God. Thank you come goodness. to my office, you see all the math equations on the wall. People just leave. They're like, okay, whatever. What's your favorite thing about working at Vivint if we're not in like a clinical space? You know, I, I, I dread saying this, but it's been my easiest turnaround. And the reason why is the people. When I got here and I started moving on different things, people would like, I would be like, hey, maybe we should think about this. And then in the afternoon, they're like, okay, we have a pilot. We have a team. We're ready. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was just having a brain cramp. So many of the pieces of the program that have made us successful really are homegrown within different groups, whether that be uh, CX or NIS or DTH or whatever. Okay. So going into the fact that it's going to be ethics week, we know like the pillars are provided detect and respond. Why should people care about this? We have great people. If you don't have a great culture, you're done. You look at all these different companies that have gone bust. It's the culture that caused the problem. Wells Fargo, other companies that have very, very serious issues. It's culture. Culture is what makes us aligned. Culture is what will allow us to integrate with NRG. Culture is what is going to push 
this company forward. And the ethics is way more important to me. I care about being ethical. Mm -hmm. What are you doing when no one's watching and no one's going to find out? Do you have a good gut? Do you, do you want to work for an unethical company or a company where you're unsure of their ethics. Honesty and integrity is one of our core values. We can argue about, you know, you know, should we do a little more of this, a little more of that? But if you have good ethics, and that comes from Rashish, that comes from the ELT, it comes from Mauricio, it comes from NRG, but it comes also from all of our leaders throughout the organization. I don't want to make any of you into mini compliance officers. I'm not looking to make any of you into mini lawyers. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I need from everyone in the company? I need you to have a good gut. When you think about some of the things, let's be honest, let's talk about it. Do you think that there was, do you think that there was any rep that was looking through the white pages, literally for someone's name, who's close to Dan Guerin so that they can attach their credit port, who was thinking my mom will be proud of me? Probably not. And so it's, it's the ethics that's going to get you home. So prevent, detect, respond is not a damn thing. It's not a vivid thing. It's the way compliance is run at like every company in the world. And what respond is investigations, detect, auditing, and monitoring. Prevent is the place that you want to spend 80% of your time on prevent and 10% on, on uh, detect and 10% on respond. You want 80% on prevent. Prevent is day, day-to-day advice, which is most of what I do. Can we do this? I don't know. What do you think? And let's be very clear. It's not like I'm sitting there as the Oracle of Delphi and I'm like, yes, we should do this. Most of the time, it's me with a group of people where it's 1% yes, 1% uh, no, and 98%, I don't know. Let's talk about it. Let's weigh the risks. Let's think about it. You just have to figure out, like, what does this say about us as a company? We get very, very, very involved in business processes. If there is friction in a business process, in other words, it's hard. It's just hard to submit a T&E report. It's just hard to do a sale. That's when bad activity happens. Because if it's easy to do it, if it's easy to submit a T&E report, if it's easy to get through the sales process, you're not going to deviate from it. I made your job easy. And so one of the things that my group gets heavy involved in is process redesign. What advice would you have given your younger self just in your career? Any exposure that you can get to project management do it. Formal project management. That doesn't mean making a list and making sure you get the list done. I mean, real project management. It will serve you in whatever career you are, whether you're in data science, whether you're in sales, whether what, it doesn't matter. Project management will, will push you further. Yeah. I credit it more with pushing me forward in my career than anything else because somebody can be like, Hey, we're going to work on like going to the moon. I'm like, I don't know anything about that, but I can project manage. You're on the team. The second thing I would tell you is, is, is that You are a one woman business. So you're selling your time to me, but you don't want to think about work. You're selling it to your bed. You're selling it to your family. You're selling it to, you know, the gym. And so you're your own marketing department. How are you marketing your time? I can purchase your time to make coffee and make me copies, or I can purchase your time to give me deep strategic thought on meaningful projects. You want me to purchase that time. You never want me to purchase the other time. So how are you marketing that your time is so valuable that I only want to purchase that top time? I talk about this with my team all the time. What is the and? So you're working and what? If you're not growing and then you're surprised that you're not moving forward, you, you know, like how come Vivint isn't growing? Well, we haven't introduced a new product in 20 years. Well, how's that going to work? 
a lot of people think about their mentor as the buddy that they talk to when they're thinking about changing jobs. What I'm telling you is tell, pick a mentor who can help you with your R&D and you don't need to like them. You may not admire someone tremendously or think they're the best thing, but man, they are really good at pivot tables or they're really good at public speaking. Go to that person, explain to them what you need and have a very direct conversation. And then you need to tell them what that means. I want to develop a skill at better executive presence. I think you're good at executive presence because I've seen you in these different meetings. Over the next six weeks, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to take this course. I'm going to do this thing. And then we're going to measure whether I've improved in executive presence by X. Everyone will be your mentor. If you're not sitting down writing your business plan for you, then don't be upset if you're not moving forward. And I don't care if you're senior in your career and you've never done this before and this is for like people fresh out of college. No, it's for anyone who hasn't done it. You need to do it. So when is Ethics and Compliance Week? Ethics and Compliance Week is November 13th through the 17th. There's tons of ways that you can participate virtually for those who are in the Utah area. Um, so there'll be different contests and all different things that are uh, going on. So I hope everyone participates no matter where you're located. What, what are you most excited for? I, I'll be honest. Uh, the thing I'm most excited for is it's the one time a year that I bring my whole team together. So we have a lot of people who are virtual and mm-hmm. so we're bringing them, um, everyone uh, together. And so it's a great time for me to see the whole team. Awesome. So we always close with the same question. Movie or TV show? Guilty pleasure. Oh, see, I'll give you the honest answer, but then I'll give you another one as well. The real answer is we're in football season and I went to University of Michigan. And so it is a religious holiday every Saturday. Um, you know, we get one by week, but other than that, yes, Michigan football. Um, in terms of show, I just finished Hijack on Apple TV with Idris Elba, and it was released probably about a month ago or so. Really good. I well, enjoyed for it. For someone in crisis management, I'm sure you love it. I did. I did. Idris Elba's character is in crisis management. Same thing. 